Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploitation Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Hello, everybody. Hello, Nate. Hey, how's it going, Stephen? Glad to be back after my technical difficulties from this weekend. Uh, You have the best computer in the world. I love it so much that I want it to work perfectly throughout the entire show. But Let's see if I can to, make it through. Yeah, we're going to open up tonight with RIP. I mean, this era of Saturday Night Live is when I tuned I tuned out right after Eddie Murphy. So I never watched much during the bro stages of uh, the 90s when you had... Uh, Adam Sandler uh, and those guys on the show. Right. Well, you know me, obviously. I mean, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I've always been a big uh, comedy fan. So, yeah, I still watch Saturday Night Live, and I know a lot of comedy purists will tell you that, oh, it's worse than it's... I still watch The Simpsons. People are like, it's worse than it's ever been. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't grade I don't it you know, I don't grade any of any of that comedy like season by season. I'm like, if if it makes me laugh, it makes me laugh. You know, I mean, I'm not. Tr- I, I do. I do recognize that there are other seasons of Saturday Night Live that are better, other seasons of The Simpsons that are better, et cetera. But that's not how I grade it. I just watch an episode. If I enjoy it, I enjoy it. You know. So, but uh, but yeah, I I I've I think I've probably seen every episode of Saturday Night Live, and uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the R.I.P. that you're uh, mentioning, Norm McDonald. He was uh, he was easily the best uh, weekend update host ever. Yeah, yeah. He and uh, just because his and comedy style. And it was style, weird he, watching he, you know. him do stand up during that time. Because a lot yeah, of comedians and, yeah. during that time were doing that what they call anti-humor. Right, and right. he was still telling and, jokes. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's the weird thing for me is, uh, you know, obviously, again, as a stand-up comedian, I got into comedy at a very young age. But you know, of course, the earliest comedy that I heard was, uh, you know, Bill Cosby, uh, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Cheech and Chong, because I grew up in, you know, in in the seventies. And those are the records that my parents had. And, uh, when I started to find comedy on my own, it was still more mainstream stuff like Billy Crystal. And even in the early nineties, like when Dennis Miller was still a little more liberal, you know, not like the kind of whack job, uh, that he is now, you know, uh, whack job, right wing, uh, you know, Trump supporter, but, um, but yeah, um, it's kind of funny for me because I really appreciate those comedians like Norm MacDonald and like um, uh, Anthony Jeselnik and BJ Novak and Mitch Hedberg. Those guys that can just do like a setup and punchline, like just a two-line joke, That that's amazing. I love that. I, 
I think when I really started to come into my own as a stand-up comedian, I took my voice more from like the uh, the underground LA comics, like um, you know David Cross and uh, um, Bob Odenkirk, who used to be a comedian. If anyone who's a fan of Better Call Saul or uh, or Breaking Bad doesn't know that, hopefully you do. But uh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Patton Oswalt, uh, Brian Posehn, like, I, I think those guys really influenced my comedy more because I'm more of a comedy storyteller. Um, but I really, I, I really wish I could pull off some, some like, you know, Norm Macdonald, like I said, Anthony Jeselnik, BJ Novak, Mitch Hedberg. I wish I could pull off just a couple of those like two line jokes, but I can't do it. I, 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 my mind doesn't work that quickly. Uh, I, I'm friends with a bunch of people who do improv and they're always like, come out and do improv with us. And I, I, I just, I can't do it. I'm not that quick witted. I need to sit and write and rehearse and, and really like form and act, you know, I'm not, I, I just can't come up with stuff off the top of my head. That's that funny. And certainly nothing that's that short. I need to tell a story, you know? So but yeah, anyway. and it's sad that he only really had one movie as a star, and Dirty Work is a bizarre freaking movie in a good way. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, it, you know, it it kind of. I guess it was from that same era as like Pootie Tang, right? Which uh, Louis C.K. wrote. Um, yeah. Did Louis C did did Louis C K direct Pootie Tang or he just wrote it? I can't no, he remember. just wrote it. Right, but yeah, it, it's from that same era where, and again, I think it comes from that whole, um, you know, the the West Coast comedy scene was really coming alive, and uh, and it was that weird alternative comedy, not like we kind of glossed over what you were saying before about anti comedy, um, and you know, I think there's some elements of that in like early Steve Martin. Like he knew that he was being a goofball, yeah, but Martin he was, you, never you know, told jokes, but it's funny. It's like, I right. had some angry shoes. They <laughs> yeah, were right? too high, so yeah. small. So every mm-hmm. time I wore it, I was angry. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But his yeah. album well, is a classic. Yeah. Or did he do two comedy albums back in the 80s? I remember one, the one that he had to hit off of at King Tut. Wild and Crazy yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only Steve Martin album I have. And you know me, I collect vinyl anyway. So I have that on vinyl. But yeah. I'm not aware if, I'm not aware if he has another album out. I have all of his books. Um and I have that uh, that oh that amazing uh, special that he filmed uh, for TV. Um, that oh has God, the video yeah, for where King, he did, uh, yeah, uh, and <laughs> El Paso with all the monkeys, but him, <laughs> right? And uh, when when he uh, the oh my my favorite my favorite sketch uh, on that entire uh, uh, special is something that's like near and dear to our hearts because it's the one where he talks about buying the house 
Well, we got this house for a steal. Yeah, sure, sometimes the walls bleed and Grandma screams out in the night that the demons are attacking her, but <laughs> you just <laughs> did it all the time. All, all the time in the background, like the house is like, you can see the blood coming down the walls and the windows are blowing out and it's catching yeah. on fire. My there's like, favorite like may be <laughs> uh, the Boy Scout uh, troop leader. Where he hunts down the wild watermelon. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but man. yeah, Norm Mac- but Dirty Work has one of my favorite bizarre moments in comedy history. Driving down the road with the devil <laughs> and the co-pilot and uh, Arnold from different stru- Gary Coleman in the back laughing. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was very bizarre. Who now did Norm Macdonald write that? I think himself so. or yeah. yeah. It was during that period where uh, <laughs> Adam Sandler was giving all of his friends movies. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, is it um is it actually um one of his Happy Madison productions? I didn't I don't remember yeah, that. It was, yeah, I think it was, it was. a Happy Madison yeah. production. Yeah, right. Huh. So. But it's actually one of the good ones. And if you want to see it, uh, yesterday through Friday, uh, out of the freaking blue, Central, once they heard about his death, is showing dirty work once a day. You know, I live like 2,000 miles away from that theater so yeah. i probably won't get to see it I, I probably won't get to see it on the big screen this week yeah. but you know uh thanks th- th- thanks for thinking of me <laughs> but that is uh, actually doing that but yeah i mean it's one of those that once he died you were surprised how many comedians people are like i love this stuff i'm like <laughs> right shit like he's alive uh, uh well, I would urge anyone who is uh, a fan of uh, Norm MacDonald or if you're interested in him and you haven't seen much of his stuff, um, you can go on YouTube and find all kinds of great uh, clips. I would recommend uh, The Moth Story on Conan O'Brien. That is a brilliant, that's a brilliant yeah. bit. And, uh, and there's an episode from the 90s when he's on with Tiffany Amber Thiessen when she was at the height of her popularity on 90210. And, uh, yeah, that, that has to be seen to be believed. But, yeah, uh, Norm MacDonald, a singular voice, timeless comedian. Uh, he will be missed for sure. And if you can find it, look for the Rodney Dangerfield new comic special that he got his break on. Yep. Yeah, that it is a good one. one of You're the right. last yeah. ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. It was. Yeah. I wish they released that as a box set, all of those. Because there's so many great comic bits that are lost in the wind because of none of the Rodney Danger. You can't even get it on HBO Max. None of them. Yeah, I, I I think about that a lot, too. Like, a lot of the comedians that I ended up really admiring, uh, you know, while I was in college, 
obviously, like we would sit around and watch stand-up specials and Comedy Central Presents always had people like Sarah Silverman and Brian Posehn. And like I mentioned earlier, David Cross and, and, you know, all of these, all the up and coming comedians that became some of my favorites, but you can't find those anywhere. Like those Comedy Central Presents, even on Pluto, there's a whole Comedy Central uh, Presents channel, but it's all like more recent specials. There's nothing from the yeah. 90s at all. Nothing from back then. Did you ever see uh, Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen? No, I, that does not sound familiar to it's me. It's a movie. It had Marsha Warfield, uh, Tim Allen, a lot of them starting out. And it had Norm McDonald, he had the greatest opening bit. He's like, oh, this is Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. Well, I promise not to fucking curse any like the rest of them. Well, yeah, I blew that the hell real quick, didn't I, folks? But they didn't announce much on Blu-rays because, well, all of the big ones hadn't announced. But Massacre Video announced that they're putting out again the Chester Novel Turner films for those of you who ain't picked up. So fuck you to the bootleggers who are charging a hundred bucks a piece for the box set. You're about to get screwed in the ass, and I'm just sitting in the back in a rocking chair, like, giving that big hearty old man laugh. Yeah, I, I. The funny thing is. So I've told you this before, right? I used to work at the video store. Yeah. Right? And once a year, my boss would tell me to go around the video store and clear out all the movies. Like he would have, like, so we, they were all numbered. They weren't categorized like by like horror sci-fi. They all just had a number. They were just like one through 2000, you know? And Every year he would have us go and take the ones with the lowest numbers off the shelf and have them put us, put them out on a table in the front of the store so people could buy them for like five bucks a piece. Well, the first year I did that, the oldest movies were all like big box horror movies, you know, like old wizard and, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Wizard, what do you call it? Magnum, um, uh, Continental. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't, I just took all those for myself. And one of them was Tales from the, uh, the Quadded Zone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right uh, and so I have that on VHS, an original copy in the big box. I bet I could sell that for more money then <laughs> this uh this new box set is co- that's coming out is is uh <laughs> is worth oh uh, the new box yeah. yeah the new the old box set was worth 100 uh the new the new singles are going to be like 20 bucks a piece 20 bucks for both of them, I think mm-hmm. but that oh, original they're, they're not... goes for about uh $600 because there's only so about not, 50 copies in existence. So they're not. that's not coming out in a box set. They're releasing Black Devil Doll from Hell as one disc and Tales from the Quad Dead Zone as another disc. Yeah. It's two separate. So you, it's, it's not a box so set. So 
You're yeah. going to lose that cheap, shitty uh, box sleeve they had. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I You know, I feel really bad, but I do that a lot. Like, especially if I buy a season of a TV show on DVD or Blu-ray, and yeah. it's got... It, it's got the it's got the cardboard sleeve around it. I just throw that in the trash and just put the DVDs on my shelf. I'm like, I don't need this friggin' sleeve. Like, why why do I have to pull out the entire box set every time I want to just grab one DVD? Yeah, I mean, like, fuck all you fans that go on boards and be like, uh, how many people would uh, be willing to sell the slip? to your blu-ray i will pay a hundred for the slip cover Why? <laughs> right no i don't know man i i it's it's weird for me you know because i am an avid collector you know i collect action figures i collect comic books i collect yeah I vintage magazines and and, and and you know and dvds and vinyl and VHS and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I can go like, there's so many things that I buy that I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to tear this part away, throw it away, throw it away. Like I've opened up, I've opened up action figures that come with like a bunch of different heads and hands and stuff, you know, so you you can change them. I'm like, nope, I like the ones that he came with and I just throw the rest of them in the trash. (laughs) <laughs> you know there's you, you know there's you know there's some like fanboy out there who's losing his fucking mind right now thinking don't tell me that you threw away bat don't tell me that you threw away the batman head with the frowny ben affleck face yeah goddamn fucking nato fucking goddamn motherfucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all I do. you I, motherfuckers I do. who, uh, well, like the WNUF uh, Halloween album, it sold out within a day on Vinegar Syndrome site. And guess what? Within three to two days, almost every copy that was bought was up on eBay. Oh, go figure. Huh, isn't that amazing? Fucking assholes, man. You told me that that was coming out, and I was like, cool, I'm going to grab a copy. And then within probably 13 hours, you were like, "There, it's sold out. And I was like, I knew this is what was going to happen. I knew some asshole was going to buy. Someone probably bought a ton of copies. It, like It's like when uh, when DJ Shadow did that remix of the uh, Flowbot song, Handlebars. Uh, I asked for a copy of it for Christmas and my, my mother-in-law went online to buy it for me, but see, she doesn't know about that hair trigger. You know, you have to have all your information in when there's some, you know, there was only 500 copies pressed. Yeah. So, and you, there's you know, motherfuckers that you know. have bought that will buy them for them. Yeah. So I'm like, you got like, she didn't, she didn't know. She'd never really done anything like that before. So I didn't get a copy of it. But like you said, the next day I went on eBay and one dude had bought all 500 copies and he was selling them for a huge markup 
and it's it was only a 45 dude it only had two songs on it one song on each side and one of them was a remix of another song you know it was one of them was a dj shadow song the other one was a remix of a flowbot song it's like oh yeah yeah i'm gonna pay 75 dollars for that like fuck off these people are assholes man like Ugh. And here's just, the funny you know. part of that story. Two days later, I'm like, Fred, for the show, which me and him are going to be doing the album and the WNUF special because he loves it so much for Halloween. He bought a cup album for 23 bucks. I'm like, holy shit, that's <laughs> less than the freaking cover price. Uh, yeah, right. Two days <laughs> later, the guy canceled his order. Saying that he yeah. lost the album. He oh yeah. Looked and yeah. seen how much people were paying for, it, or some cocksucker went behind his back and went straight to the guy's side. <laughs> Over guy A, guy B, uh, like 70, 80 bucks for it. Right. Oh man. I just don't get it, man. It's like you know. I mean, we're all collectors, but. It's not a fucking competition, man. Like, you know, like every, like we all collect similar things, but we all collect different things as well. It's like, I just don't understand why it's, you know, it didn't used to be like this. You know, we talk about this all the time and I know it makes us sound like old fogies, but man, it used to be, you didn't, there didn't used to be the internet. There didn't used to be these hip stores where you could just go in and find all these well, cool even toys the and all these, you know. Days, we're not even talking uh, 20 years ago, around uh, the early, mid, early to mid 2000s, you would be like, okay, there's like 2,000 copies of uh, Army of Darkness double disc set coming out. Cool. You would have a chance to get it. <laughs> right? Nowadays, even, if something limited comes out, motherfuckers buy it within 20 minutes and then resell it saying, well, I got caught up in some financial deals. I had a bill that come up. Would you overpay for this? <laughs> but... What I was, what I was, uh, what I was getting at was let, that you know when, like I said, like we talk about this when you and I were young, if we wanted to get something that was rare and hard to find, you had to actually go to a convention, you know. And we talk about this all the time. There's always one dude who had, you know, at least one dude who had a box under the under the table that was like, well, I can let you look for at this stuff, and you're looking at a copy of like you know, some rare German film that you've been looking for for 10 years, you know, and, and like, it was a good it, you, know that, you know, and good quality. Yeah, and you, because back and, then and you, they wanted repeat customers. They sold it like drug yeah. dealers sold drugs. I got the good <laughs> shit over here. We joked about <laughs> right? it, but that's really how you made your money. Good product. Yeah, and, uh yeah. good cost and good service yeah and a lot of that stuff really is kind of what we're talking about now like well what we were talking about earlier when we when i was talking about having you know tales from the quad dead zone on vhs big box vhs that's a very rare 
uh, commodity nowadays, and I just happen to have it because I have had it since it was readily available in that format. You know, I just happened to get a copy back then and have held on to it for all these years. But yeah, like same thing goes with a lot of those movies. And you and I have talked about this uh, before. You know, back then we didn't have the internet, so we had to read the 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 magazines. You know, the film threat and the Fangoria with all the ads in the back, where you could order from. You know, all those random catalogs, and you know, to get rare and hard to find movies. Uh, so you already yeah. you already knew you Please. already knew when you went to the to the um, to the festival. You know, to the to the uh, the convention, you already knew that when you when that dude pulled out the box and you saw you know the big box copy of Miss Forty Five, you're like, oh, there's not a lot of these around anymore, you know. <laughs> and he's only charging nine bucks for it. Uh, yeah, I think I'll take it. You know, like that was cool, man. I, I well, miss cool Coke. is I one of the you. stories I, I know is that word that mm. came back to Mike Barney that there was this guy at a convention that Mike Varney went to back in the day that was bootlegging his stuff and there were a watermark on it. So uh, Mike Varney called up uh, 42nd Street Pete and Pete and a couple of his friends showed up at the guy's table and said, Mike Varney wants to talk to you. And the guy's like, who the <laughs> fuck is Mike Barney? So they just grabbed him <laughs> from his table and drug him to, you know, outside <laughs> and kicked the shit out of him and be like, dude, do not bootleg his shit ever again or we'll talk to you again. Okay, sir. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Did they did they take the tapes too? <laughs> yeah, they took his tapes. <laughs> uh, the stuff that man. he was bootlegging the mic. Oh. Right. But why the fuck would you bootleg shit that's watermarked? <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> uh. I'll tell you I'll tell you a fun story about that. You know I'm a huge fan of something weird video. I don't have yeah. a story as exciting as that. I don't have a story as exciting as that, but I do have to question whether this actually happened to me or not. This may just be a fucking dream that I had, okay? But uh my senior year of college, friend Seth, who I who I'd grown up with. He was going to college in Boston. I was going to college in Maine. And so one weekend, uh, another friend of ours, George, had an interview for an internship down there. So he and I rode down on the bus and we stayed at Seth's apartment for the weekend. We had a bunch of fun, you know, goofing around, eating pizza, drinking beer, smoking pot, making prank phone calls, you know, Typical bullshit. And uh, one night we went, walked down the store, walked down to the store to get some more beer. And there was this light on on the second floor of what appeared to be an apartment building. And there was a little sign that it was a thrift store. And it was like nine o'clock at night. So I was like, the light's on. You think they're still open? And we went up and they were still open. And 
I swear to God, man, I don't know if this was a dream or if this really happened, but there was an entire wall in this thrift store of something weird video on VHS. I, I, I mean, it seems like something it? I would dream. <laughs> I, I bought it. I, I didn't buy it. I didn't have any money. I, I, I was oh. a poor college student. Yeah, oh. I was a poor college student. Yeah. No, no, Shit no. Like I, that only <laughs> happens when you're broke. That that's you why know. that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying I have no proof that this was real oh, yeah. or I might have just been really really drunk and high but or maybe I dreamed it but I I only wish I had enough money to buy one so I could at least prove that this happened but I don't know it yeah. probably probably wouldn't matter now anyway I have so much something weird on VHS that I wouldn't even be able to remember which one I bought yeah. from there but. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to that guy that canceled out on Fred, fuck you. Motherfucker, you made a deal, you ought to have to stick to it. That's why I don't like that's why serious collectors don't go on eBay anymore. Because eBay allows the sellers to fuck you on the deal. I prefer to find things in the wild anyway. I mean, there are certain items that I see online that entice me and I'm like, all right, I'm going to order that when it comes out, you know, and I, I order shit through Amazon, of course, when I see something that's really interesting to me. But I like to go out to the flea markets and the thrift stores and even to, you know, Target and, uh, you know, just places that I might be able to find some some stuff, the comic book stores around here, the the video game stores, you know, it's just, you know, I try, I, I like to find stuff in the wild. I, and even if it's like, sometimes like I recently uh, picked up the reaction, uh, they live the, the male ghoul, right. You've seen those ones, yeah. right, Steven? Uh, yeah. Uh, I found that at a comic book store around here just randomly. Like I was, it's something I've been looking for that it's been on my, you know, wish list and I knew I could order it off of Amazon, but I was just like, ah, maybe I'll find it in the wild. And I did, you know, and I, but not, I like it when stuff like that happens, but I also like it when I find something in the wild that I didn't even realize that I wanted, you know, like I just, I'm just at a comic book store or at, like I said, even at Target or something. And I'm just looking through the toys and I'm like, oh, well, this is, this is cool. You know, I didn't even know this yeah. existed. So, you know, that's fine. Oh. Okay, now moving on, uh, I have, and I found my most disturbing list. This is not films that are going to make me look tough. These are films that actually just messed with my head. Yeah, and yeah. they are yeah, a yeah. higher quality than the stuff that was on the list, I can guarantee But for number 25 yeah, well, to 20, I put the usual suspect. And you'll probably know what they are. Number 25 is a Serbian film, 24 Solo, 20 Men Behind the Sun, 22 in the Glass Cage, 21 Cannibal Holocaust. Because every fucking time that you see someone put out a most disturbing list, those five are on it. You could like bet money. Yeah. Yeah, you and I have done uh, a most disturbing lists, uh, not only on previous podcasts, but we've done 
most disturbing lists on our uh, our blog, um, which to remind all of our listeners, the blog is r-massive.com if you want to check out uh, articles that we've written. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff on there that's fun, uh, uh, music from my record label and uh, a lot of uh, tech advice for anyone who's trying to fix a phone or a computer or something and all kinds but, of fun stuff. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, but make sure, things, make sure you put, yes, make sure you put oh, the I just dash want to say, you get big make, make sure, make, not, make sure you put the dash in or else, uh, if you don't put the dash in that are massive, all you're going to get is a lot of big dicks. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. So what, what, what don't do you got? You, I mean, I can understand why all five of those are on most disturbing lists. I mean, those are the low, those are the low hanging fruit of the most disturbing yes. films, wouldn't you say? Yes, I, I would agree. And, um, you know, I, I think our big problem with it is that, like I said, we've been doing this for Jesus, almost 10 years now. We've been doing podcasts and, and doing our, uh, our blog and, and we've written about so much about all this stuff that we've kind of gotten into this this realm of where yeah we've heard those movies it, it we it's not even like we watch them every time that we do one of these most disturbing lists it's just like we are like yeah 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 we yeah it, we've we yeah we all know these are disturbing movies yeah you know like and we you and I have bitched more than once about Solo always turning up number one on the list. You know, and yeah, it's a well, disturbing film, but it's a Serbian you know, film. It's taking over Silo. That that is true. That is true. But you know, uh, they do share a lot in common, though, as far as like their their attempt to uh, politicize. You know, make a make a political point. They're not trying to politicize something. They're trying to make a point about you know. Uh, you know, yeah. political injustice and, 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 you know, and so in, in that regard, I do respect them as works of art and I do agree that they're disturbing, but, um, so, so, uh, my wife, uh, uh, sent me this link the other day and it's for a company around here that's going to pay you, uh, for, to sit and watch horror movies for a week while they monitor your vitals to see how horror movies affect you. And my wife was like, you should do it. It pays like a thousand dollars. And all you have to do is sit around for a week and watch horror movies is what, which is what you do anyway. And I said, yeah, but I don't know if I'd be a good test subject. I've seen so many horror movies, quite possibly the only thing that would register on the, on the chart would be a jump scare. And it would have to be from a movie I had never seen before, you know? Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just desensitized. Classic jump scares. If I was going to name the best jump scares, it would probably, be, well, the best jump scare, because it still gets me, is the end of Friday the 13th, because you're not expecting Jason to come out of that fucking lake. <clears throat> right. And yeah. it shows up the perfect jump scares in calm waters, calm music, then bam, right up there. Moving <laughs> right. uh, on, number twenty right. is Blood and Lace. If you haven't seen that one, watch it. It's the nineteen seventies, and as God is my witness, I don't understand how the fuck this movie got a PG. 
This movie has incest, uh, messing with uh, corpses, uh, murders, <laughs> patricide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, so you're talking about Blood and Black Lace, right? Uh, no, Blood and Lace, the 1971 with the girl from oh. F Group and Big Payback. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Blood and Black Lace, the Mario Bava no, movie, but yeah, no, oh no, blood no. oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Blood and Lace has everything, baby. It starts off with a prostitute being murdered, and then we follow the sad story of the daughter of the prostitute who was murdered. <laughs> or something like that. That's the best I can remember about it. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. And at number 19 yeah. is the film that I think has more bite than a Serbian film. And it came out from Serbia the same year. And that would be the life and death of a porno gang. The life and death of a porno gang? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen that. It's messed up. And- it's about a bunch of people who go out uh, to do sex life sex shows. Right. And just now, fuck, it gets fucked up, more fucked up as it goes along. Well, yeah. you mentioned it. You mentioned it in the same breath as a Serbian film. Is it a Serbian yeah, film or is it by the... Yeah, is it, it is, is, is a it by, Serbian film. Is it by the same director or no? Or no? Okay. It came yeah. out in huh. the exact same time and it's just as fucked up. I mean, one of the characters have AIDS on it, and the whole porno gang are being uh, raped by these bunch of country rednecks, and the gang is laughing because they know that that ga- they know that all the rednecks are getting AIDS from them. Oh uh, yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, that yeah, that sounds pretty disturbing. So, um, obviously, it has the word porno in the title. So, much like a Serbian film, this is a movie about uh, like a porno director and 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 his crew. Uh, yeah, except it doesn't go for <clears throat> the low targets like kids and stuff like that that a Serbian film goes for. Right. But does it still, uh, does it still embrace some of the like snuff film elements of a Serbian film? Uh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Well, I'll have to check it out. No, I've, I've never heard of it. Thanks for filling me in on that one. Yeah. At number 18 is Blind Beast. Which just came out oh, yeah. on the new Blu-ray and is on the Arrow streaming network. This one yeah. is a disturbing, very stinky little film. Yeah, I went through quite it's, a quite a. Uh, oh no, I, I was going to say I went through quite a period uh, when I was probably 18 years old, where I was buying again from the back of Film Threat magazine. Uh, I was buying a lot of these. Uh, of course, I started with guinea pig. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I was buying all of these 
Japanese films uh, on VHS and just, yeah, crazy. Talk talk about Blind Beast, man. (laughs) It's a sick film. (laughs) What it's about is this blind man kidnaps this woman so that he can uh, model her and expose her to the sexual realm of touching. And they end up falling in the lust together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, if it wasn't so sleazy, it would almost feel like it was supposed to be a satire. I mean, just, just uh, you know, it, obviously it, it, it is a product of its time. You know, it's from the late 60s early 70s you know and it yeah. it is kind of supposed it is kind of supposed to be like softcore erotica like so many films uh you know from that uh, of this genre from that era but um yeah it it almost it almost plays like a comedy like i said if you just ignore the sleaze factor <laughs> like it just seems kind of like it, like it would never you know, it would never happen, you know, like, yeah. but, you know, whoa, oh, these wacky kids and all their stuff, you know, and now they're in love. Whoa. What would you do? <laughs> you know, I mean, like... one of the most striking images in the movie is when you get to see the blind uh, uh, sculptor studio and you see how he's fetishistically obsessed with body parts. He has one wall full of eyes, one wall full of noses, one wall full of brass fingers, and so on and so on. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I've thought about this in the past, and I've wondered, and uh, I've wondered if this film was in any way influenced by Ed Gein, like the story of Ed Gein, you know, because this would have only been like, 10 years after Ed Gein was arrested and, yeah. you know, and all the, all, all the, no, all the story uh, stuff. But. Ed Agawa Rampo story. And he was all, almost all of his work was uh, inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, which is why he picked it, that as his pen name. Because it's phonetically the same as Edgar Allan Poe, Ed Agawa Rampo. Uh, right? Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I uh obviously I've seen Blind Beast and like I said, um yeah, there was a time when I uh, I bought a I bought a book um from we had a I don't know if you guys had it down there, but we had a chain of bookstores up here called Mr. Paperback. Did you guys have Mr. Paperback down there? No. Uh, we have McKay's. See, Mr. Paperback was basically like a smaller version of what later became Borders. You know, like it—it it was just a, you know, it was—it was smaller, but they—they they carried a lot of a lot of uh, different stuff. You know, and uh, I bought a book at Mr. Paperback that was about uh, Japanese exploitation films when I was like 18 years old, and uh, that's the same store where I got the book with the original list of uh, the most disturbing films of all time. And that's yeah. how I went off on when I went off to uh, 
you know, that's how I started this dark journey towards whatever the fuck we're doing now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I bought that book about uh, Japanese exploitation films and I started watching a lot of those. And that's how I first found out about Guinea pig and, you know, the Guinea pig series and stuff. So, um, but yeah, blind beast was one of the ones in there. And uh, so, yeah, I probably, I was probably like 19 when I saw that, but I haven't watched yeah. it since then. So, so I don't recall it. Yeah. Well, you notice, <laughs> yes, there's going to be a lot of arty films on this. Because you don't need shit like Necromaniac to be disturbed because this next one is Ridley Scott. This is the only real uh, David Lynchian film on this bad boy, and that is The Reflecting Skin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I think I this one would hello this one for some reason has always been hard to see Miramax owned it but they never really did the only place I really seen it was on a DVD that was uh, out of uh, print now, it was one of those uh, groups of movies, you know, one of those where they just take like nine films randomly and just throw it on there. Yeah, right. Huh. I've, I I would have bought that even if I didn't care about the other eight movies. You're right. The Reflecting Skin is a difficult film to find. Um, the only reason I have a copy of it is because... A friend of mine uh, worked at Alamo Draft House back uh, in the 90s. And when it when movies came through, uh, this was after Alamo Draft House switched over from film to uh, analog. Uh, he was able to copy all the movies that came through. So he bootlegged a bunch of movies for us. Uh, but you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> but that's the only reason I have a copy of it. It's a bootleg yeah. copy from from the early nineties. But yeah, um, I think I wrote about this movie on our blog at one point. I don't know if it was an article that you and I co-wrote together or if it was just one of my separate articles. I mean, obviously you and I often co-wrote together, but we also wrote separate articles uh, uh, on our own. Um, but I'm pretty sure I wrote about this film and, uh, yeah, it, it is really disturbing and, and fucked up. And if you've never seen it and you can find it, uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing, it's a singulatory film. Like, and you, it's a singular film. And like you said, Stephen, it's probably the closest thing to a David Lynch movie that you're going to get that David Lynch didn't direct. Um, uh, but one of the things I like about it, Uh, so much. And I think this is what I wrote about when I wrote about it on the blog is that we're seeing the story from the point of view of, of the, of the young boy whose brother has come back. Does he, he comes back from the war, right? He he comes back from the war. He comes back from the war. And uh, the woman is a widow whose husband's killed during the war. But because of the child and his bizarre, fanciful dreams, he believes that 
the woman next door is a vampire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he thinks the woman next door is a vampire, right? And then he has some weird suspicions about his brother too, though, doesn't he? I can't remember. Um, yeah, because he uh, can't really wrap his young head around shell shock. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, one notable thing about this for anyone who's never seen it, it does star uh, Viggo Mortensen, um, uh, who I yeah. know everyone loves. I mean, so that uh, he yeah he he is the shell shocked uh, brother who comes home from the war. Um, so uh, yeah, and what one thing that I really do like about this movie is that, um, and I think this might. I don't know if it captures so much of a David Lynch type feel. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the interior shots uh, really feel claustrophobic and, you know, like they make you feel anxious uh, even when nothing seemingly sinister is going on. But I think a really nice balance in this movie is that a lot of sinister stuff happens outside in the in the in the wheat fields and out in the sun you know uh i, I the movie starts off or very close it has to the beginning a, yeah it has a with, weird with the balance boys. because all of the indoor scenes are claustrophobic like you say but all of the outdoor scenes are agoraphobic which is fear yeah. of wide open spaces mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 like I said, most of the like kind of offhand evil takes place outside in those open spaces. Like I said, the film very close to the beginning, the the neighborhood boys stick a firecracker in a fo- frog's mouth and blow it up because they think that woman that lives next door is a witch and she's coming down the road with her uh, groceries or whatever, riding her bike or walking. I can't remember. I haven't watched it for a long time, but yeah. either way, it's a great film and it is, it is disturbing on, uh, it, it kind of reminds me, have you, have you ever seen the film firecracker uh, with Mike Patton uh, from faith no more and, and uh, Mr. Bungle and, as, as the star no um, it it, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the reflecting skin it's uh uh it, it's about uh you know a family that travels with the circus uh but it has a lot of the the same kind of uh tone to it as the reflecting skin like you know there's there's a sense of danger even when nothing dangerous is happening and then there's a sense of relief when you when when there should be a sense of danger you know i i don't know if i'm really making sense with that but you know me i'm you know i've been been smoking i've been smoking weed (laughs) and uh next is the only film of david cronenberg's that he refuses and says he will never talk about or do a commentary for oh yeah and that is the brood oh the brood yeah that he made while going through an exceptionally ugly and bitter divorce 
Yeah, I've heard that before as well. I've I've heard that he uh that he made this film while he was going through a terrible divorce. Uh so but but why why would that ha, ha, do you have any I mean, obviously this is just going to be secondhand information cuz we don't have Cronenberg on the really show tonight. But, but but watching what, the movie, it's about the cynical way of abuse. Like her parents Samantha Egger's parents are drunken, abusive uh, parents. Yeah. I mean, it's not a scene with the parents where they ain't got a good drink in their hand. Yeah, and I've They make I've you been, seem like you know, a candy ass. <laughs> I've... I've I have read interviews with Cronenberg. I actually have a book of interviews with him, and where when he mentions this, he does say that uh, that aspect of it was actually uh, a true story. His uh, his ex wife's parents were uh, always drinking, always drinking, you know. And uh, you know, as someone who drinks quite a bit, and like I said, I've been smoking pot this afternoon, and I'm actually tripping on mushrooms right now, too, so, uh, you know, I know what it's like. It's not easy for uh, family and friends to always deal with you. I I feel like I I hold my shit together pretty well, but I understand when people are just irritated with me because I'm a fool, (laughs) but hey, you know, you only live once, except for me. I'm a Buddhist, so I'll probably live again. But. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the brood is just a nasty, brutal film, and no one is spared. Even the David Cronenberg character is punished and shown to be not as good a person as he should be. Yeah, I and I think that was intentional. You know, like it's interesting to me that he says that he's not interested in revisiting this film in any way, shape, or form because I think, and you know, I I know what it's like. You know, uh, I've been married for twelve years, and my wife and I separated for a couple of years because, to be honest, I cheated on her, and we separated for a couple of years, and then we got back together, and you know, uh, I you know, I feel guilty about it still. I mean, we've been back together for a couple of years now and, uh, you know, we, we're more in love than ever and everything's working out. But at the same time, it's like, I, I still feel, I feel guilty. You know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, you know, I screwed up obviously, you know, uh, I, I didn't have any reason to cheat. My wife's the most amazing woman I've ever been with in my life. And, for every reason. So I, you know, I, I, I'm the one who screwed up. So, (laughs) you know, like, and the fact that she took me back should make me feel good, but I can see where he's coming from with this. It's hard to revisit those, those moments, you know, like he, like you said, he pun his character gets punished and, you know, I can, I can see that, you know, I feel like I need to be punished for, you know, the, my transgressions yeah, and so that because, you know. uh, of your certain kinks well yeah that's what i meant i i you know uh i i just want i just want abby to spank me like you know every once in a while to make sure that i remember <laughs> you know know my place you know little yeah. little little boot little little boot looking little spanking you know just so yeah. i remember that uh you know and <laughs> next one is uh 
Island of Death. This movie is disturbing because it has it all. Let's see, incest, murder, homosexuality, fellatio to a gun, lesbianism, uh, sodomy, goat fucking. Yeah, 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 it's a very strange film that packs a whole lot of shit into, uh, like, uh, (laughs) what what is not a particularly long film. Um, Most people probably, most people who haven't seen this probably recognize the name if you're interested in... uh, the kind of cinema that that Stephen and I are interested in. It was uh, originally a video nasty, of course. Yeah. Uh, and what year did this come out? Uh, sometimes in the it was 70s. In the, what happened yeah, it was, was, it was, it was late 70s. Nikos Mastratorius seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in his words, he put everything that he's seen in that movie on this film. And I'm like, uh, where's the scene where Leatherface sodomizes another guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, well, I, I, I don't know. This this could have been. This really could have been more like a. I mean, it really could have been more like a. Let's try to one up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because, um, you know, like you said, he, you know. A, a, there's a a goat gets raped. Uh, you know they staged the murder suicide. Um, I think this was probably one of the first on screen depictions of a gay wedding. But I don't think that I don't think that was meant to be controversial. I think that was probably more. Um, I think that was probably more common. Um, you know, uh, over there back even back then, you know, yeah. it might've been part, it might've been part of the reason why uh, it, it was, it might've been part of the reason why it was labeled as a video nasty. But I, I think the Greeks were probably more uh, progressive about gay wedding, even back in the seventies, you know? Um, yeah. Well, the gay wedding the- isn't portrayed as bad. It's just the fact that the them just, Making that guy go down on a sh- on a pistol before they blow his brains out—that's what's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And, and golden and, and, showers. And, 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 Don't forget that right? scene. And, but yeah, you know. But we've seen things like that before, like uh, Ilsa, she wolf of the SS. The guy wants Ilsa to pee on him, and we've seen, uh, you know, other exploitation movies from the 70s i want to say last house on the dead end street or you know where the guy makes the girl put the gun in her mouth and suck it like it's a dick you know i mean no uh, that was a guy and it was a deer hoof yeah well yeah okay yeah you're right um but you know we have seen the you know suck on the pistol you know, before yeah. as a, you oh. know, like, yeah. Oh, I forgot number 16, and it's the first of three documentaries on my list, and it's The Wild and Wonderful Whites 
of West Virginia. <laughs> it's, a docu- uh, it's a documentary about a whole family full of pill-taking, robbing pieces of shit, white trash, who are happy to be ignorant, pill-taking, pieces of shit, white trash. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. That movie is... Uh... It's such a it it's such it, it tears me down the middle because it's fun to watch but it's also really sad. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 I'm like you guys are definitely living the life you want to live. I'm envious of that, but I don't know if this is the life you should want to be living. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> I'm like uh, um did you ever watch uh, the 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 disinformation TV show? You're familiar with disinformation, the line of books and magazines, right? Yeah. Uh, and and they had a TV show. Um, they it it only ran four episodes, and then it got canceled. But I have it on DVD, and uh, every episode has a little segment in it called Uncle Goddamn, and it's it it's this little short segments that could easily just be slipped into the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia and you wouldn't <laughs> notice the difference. It's it's just this white trash family and Uncle Goddamn every he passes out drunk and they light it, they light him on fire and he wakes up Goddamn you know <laughs> next day he's <laughs> next day he's passed out with his head in the toilet and they slap him on the back of the head and he's like god damn you could you could insert him into fact this, that into I've this. seen a lot of just like that around this whole any rural backwoods era you see motherfuckers like in the whites come out of fucking woods you know well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was like, I know, you know, you live down, you live down south. And so uh, I'm sure you see stuff like this. Like, I can honestly say, uh, if you've ever seen uh, Trailer Park Boys, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we have up here. That's our version of the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia yeah. is Trailer Park Boys. That's what we have up and here. And this so. movie is NC-17 <laughs> for a reason, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now moving on to number 13, it's a French film called Vagabond. And this is about a Vagabond. woman who, yeah. Why do you expect a movie that opens up of a shot of a girl who's frozen to death in a gutter and the rest of the film is showing her life life, and basically her going to her death with everyone basically ignoring her, you know? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't think I've ever seen it, but that does... um... That does kind of weigh into uh, an interesting theory. You know, uh, like I said before, uh, I was raised Catholic, but yeah. uh, now uh, now I'm a Buddhist and I, I do believe in reincarnation. I believe that the good things you do in this life, uh, you know, will help you have a, have a good life, a next life, you know. Um, but uh, 
I was I have a lot of philosophical conversations with people who have different uh, religious beliefs. And a friend of mine told me that he had read something uh, and I'm, I can't recall which uh, religion he was studying at the time, but that he said, uh, when, when you die, there is a version of hell where you you're still fully aware and you're still yourself. But when you're walking around, everyone else is just a shadow that can't see you and you can't interact with any of them. So yeah. That, that, that could be some, uh, you know, that could be something that uh, was well, part of this idea. Well, the movie is it transfers from showing the same shot as the opening again of her frozen to death in the gutter to a little playing in a flower field. Right. Um, huh. Well, it's interesting. Now, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen that film. So it's so. It, it's a, it's, it take, it, it's a contemporary film. Like it takes place in in modern 80s. times or eighties. It was made in the eighties. So it, so it, and it also takes place in the eighties, though. Yeah. Or. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, and uh, yeah. number 12 is Keen F. Oh, yeah. This one is one of the anti-drug films from the 70s. <laughs> and God, is it bleak and depressing. The only thing <laughs> uplifting about it is the Bowie soundtrack. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, You've seen it, yeah. haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about yeah. a girl that goes into Berlin to uh, run away from her parents, and who ends up hooked on drugs uh, and becoming a prostitute. Yeah. Uh, and it's supposedly a true story. <laughs> so they say. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And here is number 11 for the top 10. And this is a film that, if you remember, you was like, Mick Carl's like, if you mention this film, I will fucking kill you. And <laughs> this is the only documentary I know that's under an hour that got everybody who appeared in the film, including the director, put in jail. <laughs> and this is one of those that I might just have to mention the title and you'll know what's up. And it is Chicken Hawk. Men who like <laughs> boys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you and I, uh, I think you and I talked about doing an article about this for the for the blog one time, and then we were kind of like, I don't know, man, we're already kind of pushing the envelope <laughs> with with some of yeah. the shit that we, that we that we write about and talk about. <laughs> but yeah, holy shit, man. How fucking demented do you have to be? Like, okay, first of all, the fact that Nambla is even a thing, and for anyone who doesn't know, that's the North American Man-Boy Love Association. Um, 
and uh, they don't believe that there's anything wrong with grown men having sex with children uh, below the age of consent as long as the children consent. So there you go. Um, yeah, that, and that <laughs> is said many times throughout this one-hour movie. But, and here's the punchline, they all signed, including the director, a release, which means <laughs> the FBI, the feds, could use this as evidence against them. Oh, my God. I, 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 you know, you were you were joking earlier, but you're not wrong. Like, you know, my wife and I have some really kinky sex. You know, we get into the leather and the rubber and the whips and chains and all that shit. That's fun, you know. But, like, there are certain, like, just sexual fetishes and proclivities that I cannot wrap my fucking head around. And... I, you can try to defend it any way you want. I'm not saying you personally, Stephen, obviously, but anyone can try to defend it any way they want. But fucking A, dude, having sex with kids is just fucking dis- – it's disgusting. It's disturbing on so many levels. Like, what What the fuck? Dude, I know a girl right now that I went to high school with who's dating a pedophile who's about to go to jail, and she has two kids under 11. But, nope, she's been dating this guy for the last year. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, yeah, he's going to jail. He's a pedophile. I'm like, okay. But he's just misunderstood. Yeah, come here. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I mean, I... I don't even want to hang out with a pedophile, let alone date one. And I, you know, I, 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 if I had kids, definitely wouldn't want them around a fucking dude who she met him when he was already sentenced. He was already going to jail for fucking pedophilia. And, you know, she's like, well, 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 you got, you got a few months before your sentence starts. Let's start dating. (laughs) Yeah, this is where you stand with a ball bat, and the person goes, well, the heart wants what the heart... Oh, God, stop hitting me! Oh, please, stop, stop! Stop. All right. What do we got? You can... I think... I hope YouTube pulled it down, but before you could see this on YouTube... And if you're a parent, you do need to watch this on YouTube so you can recognize the type of person to keep your boys away from. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, again, I just have to say, going back to what I started saying before I went off on my fucking marijuana and mushroom-fueled rant, um, yeah, Fucking the fact that Nambla is even a thing it just blows my fucking mind, man. Like, wh- what? <laughs> like, how are we just letting this? Ha- it's. I feel the same way about the KKK. I mean, I understand that we live in a free country, but for Christ's sake, there are some things that we that I think we should all be on board with. Just nope, doesn't this doesn't work <laughs> for uh, uh, for a fair and balanced society fox news um you know let's yeah let's be fair and balanced 
let's not have fucking Well, the reason the KKK kill, you know. survives is they're able to change their clothes, if you understand what I mean. Oh, we're not oh, yeah. KK anymore. We're Proud Boys. Oh, we're not Proud Boys anymore. We're uh, uh, men for the progression of the white culture. <laughs> well, there, there's a there's a Black History Month. When's White History Month? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and number ten. This is getting down to the gritty, folks. Is Forced right. Entry, the only adult film, if I seen anyone look at it and go, oh, God, this is sexy, I would shoot them. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've talked about this one before, uh, uh, just in passing, but yeah, no. This is about <laughs> Harry Reams as a Vietnam vet, and he's fucking great in this. If he wasn't great, yeah. the movie wouldn't be as disturbing as it is. As a Vietnam vet who comes back out of his mind and ends up raping and killing women till a woman, two hippie women come on to him and then he blows his own brain out. This is not wank fuel, people. <laughs> no, but... It did, I'm sure it originally was uh, a 42nd Street staple that, you know, probably did have some trench coat wearers in there jerking off because, you know, it does have some pretty graphic rape scenes, you know. Um, yeah. And it is te- it is technically classified, I believe, at least from the books and magazines that I have. I do believe it's technically classified as a porn film. Um, yeah. It it is it is rated X, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's rated X. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, th- this goes back to I mean, all it's so fucked up to think about not only like disturbing films like this, but just the whole 42nd street um, atmosphere when, you know, people were, were so horned out and uh, you know, porn was so diverse, you you know, some people would go to uh, 42nd street theaters and just watch those childbirth videos and jerk off to them just because they could see a vagina, you know, like, You know, (laughs) you know, number nine (laughs) is a film that when it first came out, it just got lost under the radar and is now considered a gay classic. And that is seconds. God, Rock Hudson knock it out of the park in this one. Yeah, I. I think Seconds is the best film that John Frankenheimer ever directed. That movie is, and and I think it's probably the best movie Rock Hudson was ever in too. I mean, it's it's just uh, it's such a bizarre film, but it and it is disturbing, but like it's so it's so well done. You know, like you mentioned earlier that uh, you know you were talking about David Lynch esque style films. Uh, uh, Lost Highway reminds me a lot of this movie, actually. Um, yeah. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be surprised if David Lynch said that Seconds was one of the influences for Lost Highway. 
Um, you know. And seconds has one of the most depressing messages ever is that you can change everything about yourself, the way you look, the way you are, your job, just everything. But you can't change yourself. Wherever you go, there you are. You are, yeah. In that <laughs> last ten minutes of it, once you realize what's up, you're just damn. It's on Criterion. Yeah. Next time they have a sale, get it. You need to watch it. It's that damn disturbing and that damn good. Yeah, like I said, if you're only going to ever watch one film directed by John Frankenheimer that starred Rock Hudson, well, this is the only one directed by John Frankenheimer that starred Rock Hudson, but watch well, seconds. Well, just think <laughs> of how much insight Rock Hudson had as a gay man who had to hide in Hollywood who he was. Yeah, yeah, no, he, yeah, he was the perfect casting choice, you know, or the perfect, yeah, Frankenheimer yeah. said that uh, Rock Hudson called him up before as they were cat pre-production and casting, and he said, "I can't tell you why, but I have to play this role. I've lived mm-hmm. right. this role." Right. And Frankenheimer yeah. was like, "What?" He's like, please, you know. <laughs> uh, did now? I know Seconds got nominated for an Academy Award, but it wasn't for either Frankenheimer or Rock Hudson, though, was it? Um, no, it was for uh, like lighting or yeah, lighting or lighting, cinema, lighting or cinematography. Lighting or yeah, it was lighting or cinematography. Yeah, and, and it the does. Cinematography it has a really, will it, fuck you up, especially the credit scene. Right. Yeah. And number eight is the last documentary on this list, and that is Sick: The Life and Times of Bob Flanagan Supermassacre. Who Bob yeah. Flanagan was is that he had cerebral palsy uh, when he was young, fibromyalgia, and he couldn't feel anything in his body. So he took revenge on his bodies in very extreme and fucked up ways. If you've ever seen the Nine Inch uh, Nails, what was the video that he did for him where he was... uh, where they, the whole video was just a pipe leading to from the toilet guy pissing to Flanagan tied up with the mask over there and all the waste going through the mask. Yeah, that was the the first song off of Broken. Um, it was just an instrumental. Uh, oh, let me see. What the heck was it called? Uh, Life Through Something. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it was just a weird little like uh, instrumental. I think it. Yeah. I don't think it was even two minutes. It was just dun 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 on on dun yeah. dun. Yeah, <laughs> it it was called Pinion, and yeah, it was only one minute long, 
And then I think he might have been in the video for Happiness and Slavery as well, which was also from that same yeah, album. With uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. one where uh, yeah. he uh, nailed his uh, PP to uh table. Yep. Yep, that's him. Yep, he's yeah, that was Happiness and Slavery. Yeah. Um yeah, uh this is another one of the movies that I only got my hands on because uh my friend that worked at uh uh the uh <laughs> at the Austin Draft House and uh this was after they had switched over to analog and he made a copy of this movie for me, which I still have on VHS as well. Um, yeah. Bob Flanagan, uh, you know, I, he's, he's very heroic. This, this movie shows off some, some really uh, amazing things, you know, like a man who was told that he was going to die uh, from cystic fibrosis before he was 13. And he lived, to be much older than that. And like you said, he decided to parlay his illness into performance art. And um, he, you know, there's lots of fun stuff in there. And if you're, if you're not disturbed so much by extreme sadomasochism, then it won't bother you that much. But I will tell you, and I'm, I'm guessing Stephen, that this is why you put this on your list, that the last, 15 minutes of this movie is kind of like a snuff film. Like you actually get to see Bob Flanagan die in real time. And I've had friends that will not watch this movie with me because I made them watch it for, and they're like, no, I can't watch that guy die again. It's, it's, it's very, it's terrible. <laughs> it really is what you watch a, yeah, you watch a man die. Yeah, and those of us who are born yeah. disturbed disabled from the start are like, yeah, tell that disease, fuck you. <laughs> you know. Right? Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I that is a really great film. I mean, as an artist, uh, you know, as a poet, as a musician, as, you know, as a filmmaker, uh, you know, myself, I, I really appreciate the power of that film, but it is a tough, that last 15 minutes is a real tough haul when you literally do have well, to watch a man die. Well, the whole film is a real you know? tough haul if you are mm-hmm. a normal. Right. Well, there's nothing normal about me, I promise. Yeah. And number seven is the only studio film of the 70s well, they looked at it and went, no, we're not releasing this. This is too disturbing. This film could cause riots. This film could cause teenagers to raise hell. And I understand why. And it still has that same power. And that's Over the Edge. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think Over the Edge could probably make even more trouble today than it would have back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't really know. I don't know. Actually, probably not. I I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm almost 50. I don't know what teenagers really think about nowadays. They don't seem to be as rebellious as we thought we were in the 90s, you know. <laughs> or 
how these yeah, kids but this film is not about rebellion; it's about boredom and anger. These poor kids are stuck in one of these subdivisions, and there's nothing to do. The local teen hangout with the pool tables and arcade game is shut down because they thought, well, we don't want these troublemaking part to hang out with it. There's no movies in New Granada. There's nothing for them to do except stew and get pissed. Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, like growing up in the in the 90s, uh, you know, in New Jersey, like I lived in this small town, you know, there was a downtown area, there was a mall area, and, you know, we had all the typical bullshit there, but like there were no like clubs that we could go to. The nearest club was like a half hour north from where we lived to go see live music and, you know, punk bands and shit because it was the 90s. But uh, now I go back to my hometown and it's like New York City. It's it's like everything. They're like the kids that live there now don't even know how bad it was when I was growing up there, you know? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just like, you guys don't even realize how good you have it, like, you know? Um, but uh, one thing... that I uh, like about this movie and I always like to point out when people bring it up, this film was written by Tim Hunter who also wrote River's Edge, um, which is also a disturbing film, but a little, uh, I I wouldn't say, uh, well, maybe it is a little darker. It's a little more somber at least. Uh, over the edge. Yeah, both. Little, uh, that's a hell. That would yeah. be. That's a, that would be a hell of a double feature. Uh, over the edge and uh, river's edge. Yeah, yeah. Over the edge feels a little more raucous. Like it's it, it's got a it, it, it's more rambunctious. It's it's got a more, I guess, not really violence per se. I mean, it is kind of like aggressive, but not like uh you know it's still kind of it, it it's uh Tim Hunter kind of has that uh you know his writing style and his directing style because he also directed some episodes of Twin Peaks and um uh oh some other uh I can't recall off the top of my head because again as always I'm the water so drunk and tripping yeah but yeah um yeah he has this i he kind of has this like everything is just boiling under the under the surface that's kind of his writing style and he does a really good job of of doing that yeah so and that number six may be the most punk movie ever made uh dennis hopper was hired to do this movie but the director quit, and he took this basic script of a family and created a disturbing, very fucked up masterpiece and out of the blue. God is this one. Good. Yeah, you and I, 
Yeah. You and I have talked about this in the past. Uh, and yeah, we both agree. This is one of our favorite flicks. Like this is such a good movie. And yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that the, what we ended up with was what was originally intended, but no. I don't think that, no, not, I don't think it was even like, you know, close to what they, they originally intended, but oh man, it is a masterpiece. Uh, it is a little sloppy, but it is, it's a seventies film, you know, and you know, seventies films are notoriously sloppy, you know, like it just, you know, kind of thrown together here and there. And this one was definitely thrown together when, like you said, Dennis Hopper kind of took over directing. Who was the original director? Do you remember? I forget. No, I forget. I had the producer of the movie on the show. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, and I never did ask him who the original director was. I asked him, and even he had forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, so now we know, we know that, uh, moving forward, Dennis Hopper directs some other films. Was Out of the Blue the first film that Dennis Hopper ever directed? Do you? Second. Was, well, Second? third. Yeah, okay. First was Easy Rider. Second oh, was yeah, that's right. uh, the last movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, See, I forgot then all this. About... Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I fucking whiffed Easy Rider. Of course, I knew he did that. But, yeah, I forgot about the last picture. Yeah. Uh, I think about it every once in a while. That's a weird movie. Yeah. It's not disturbing like out of the blue it's just a weird movie uh if you haven't seen yeah, it yeah the last it. movie the best <laughs> lesson about that is do not let alejandro jodorowsky and i love the guy i love his work do not let him edit your movie <laughs> <laughs> all right so makes a little yeah, more um, sense I, now doesn't it okay yeah, now yeah, i understand right. why it's so <laughs> fucked <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, uh, Out of the Blue is a really, a really good movie, but it makes our list of disturbing films for uh, some uh, some reasons. Uh, uh, child molestation, uh, murder. Um, uh, yeah. The most kids <laughs> ever killed on screen in a scene. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. That, fuck, that fuck you, trick or, you, fuck you trick or treat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> out of the blue, grabs yeah. you by the head within the first ten minutes and just slams your head on the desk, wall, floor, everything it can. Well, you know what? What my takeaway from it is, um, you know, Dennis Hopper's character initially comes back like you said after the opening scene dennis hopper's character comes back and he initially seems to be trying to redeem himself but he quickly falls back into his old ways and then goes even further down the spiral than he was before and that's what makes this film disturbing to me and i and i i can feel it you know uh 
you know, like I, I, I've always been open and honest about my substance abuse, you know, and there are times when I'm completely sober, you know, I go to rehab, I go to detox, I get sober, I start to live my best life. And then the next thing you know, I'm drinking like tonight, I'm, I'm doing whiskey shots, drinking beer, smoking pot and eating mushrooms, you know, like, this is not my best life. But, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I understand the cycle of like healing and then damaging yourself again, you know. Yeah, that's, and that's Linda Mann is so know. good in this movie as the girl, whose yeah, heroes yeah. are uh, Elvis Presley and Johnny Rotten. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. If yep. it ever comes out so. on blue, you need to see it, because now the only way to really easily see it is on the DVDs that fetches around $100 from scumbag resellers. Yeah. I think I have a, I think I have it on DVD. I don't know, man. I, uh, uh, my, my wife and I live in like two houses right now, not two separate houses. We live together, but we have like two separate houses. So we have shit everywhere. Like we, yeah. we've got too much stuff. And 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 it, it, we're not even. It's not even like we're hoarders, man. Like everything is organized, and 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 every you know, it's it's nice and clean and organized. But I just don't know where shit is. You know, I'm like, uh, do I gotta go over to do, do I gotta go over to the other house to get my copy of Out of the Blue? Uh, you know, like yeah, it's just, yeah, two houses, man. We yeah, don't yeah. don't don't buy don't don't buy a second house. <laughs> and the number five is a well. One, we got three animated films in my top five. Does that mean I'm a pussy? No. The Plague Dogs, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, like, it's, it's, there's just something, I don't know, man. I can watch humans get killed all day long, but even animated friggin' uh, dogs getting killed or cats or whatever, it just disturbs me, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, this movie was so bleak that the original author, the guy who wrote Watership Down 2, I forget his name, uh, rewrote the ending of The Plague Dogs to give it a happy ending. Yeah, right? Yeah. So the Plague Dogs, the novel, that was also written by Richard Adams, right? Who, yeah, Richard Adams. Who wrote Adams. Watership Down. Yeah. Yeah, who wrote Watership Down. Uh, but both uh, both uh, Watership Down and uh, the Plague Dogs were also uh, directed by the same guy? Uh, I think so. I, yeah, it it seems like it. I mean, at least uh, the animation is very similar, and uh, yeah, it seems to have the kind of same pacing. And uh, I, yeah, but Watership uh, Down, I can just watch. Uh, the Plague yeah. Dogs, no, 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 <laughs> no. Like, I mean, fucking a man. They like, uh, they like, ugh. Uh, vivisection. Um, oh God, 
all the fucking animal research shit that they do in that movie is just yeah, even animated. Yeah, that's it's what just, it is. Yeah. It's about two uh, dogs from uh, vivisection a uh, play a uh, plague research facility escape and the rest Ugh. of the movie is them trying to find a normal life yeah i don't know it, it, yeah it it i i don't that's you know what i would probably rewatch a serbian film before i rewatch that movie again <laughs> yeah like it, <laughs> uh, and uh I, number 4 <laughs> Is another animated film, but the first of two uh, anti-nuke films on my list. And that, well, one, two, three anti-nuke films on my list. And that is Where the Wind Blows. If you want to watch an animated movie where you get to watch a sweet, loving old couple slowly die of radiation poisoning after the bomb hits, this will be right up your yeah. fucking alley. <laughs> yeah, um I do I do find that film very disturbing um just in the you know just in the um in the aspect that you and I grew up in you and I grew up during the Cold War where nuclear war was a very real possibility and um that was one of the things that scared me a lot when i was a child is that you know any any night any day you could wake up and nuclear war you know and so um i have i have a lot of complex feelings about uh about that movie um on the one hand i feel the angst and and the and the anxiety but on the other hand you know i'm a sensitive poet fag so you know i i i like the sentimentality of it you know it it, it is disturbing but i think the disturbing nature of it uh generates from the fact that you you see these two people who are so in love and you know you you know what's happening although they don't necessarily know what's happening throughout the film, but you know, what's happening, uh, you know? So yeah. I, I think it's a, yeah, I think it, I think, I think, I think that's where, that's where that, you know, the, where it becomes disturbing is, you know, you, you feel the, the love between them. But like I said, you and I also grew up in an era where something like that could have actually happened. Yeah. And number three, is the most disturbing anti-nuke film ever made, and that would be Threads. <sighs> yeah. Well, funny that you should mention that because that I I knew that one was going to be on the list, and I'm just like speaking of growing <laughs> up during the Cold War. Yeah. Holy shit! I oh man, I remember seeing that on uh on tv and like crying myself to sleep my mother had to come in and she was like you're not afraid of ufos you're not afraid of dracula i'm like this could really happen (laughs) yeah the thing about threads is unlike the day after or testament which had well and where the wind blows 
nice characters as a base for you to watch. No. Threads don't bullshit. (laughs) It just shows how it's going to be, you know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the day after was kind of brutal as well, but it was a little more whitewashed for sure. Threads is like, yep, this is what's going to happen. You're all going to die. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why it's on a lot of horror streaming sites. It belongs yeah. there because it shows the horror of it. Just, damn. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, and I think... Uh, a big part of why it resonates uh, with our generation is because, you know, even when we were younger, we still grew up in the duck and cover era. You know, I mean, we, we were, we were growing up in the seventies and they were still doing the duck and cover film strips and bullshit. And, you know, even they knew that that wasn't real anymore, you know? And then all of a sudden we've got these, we've got these TV movies coming out that are showing the real effects of nuclear war, you know? And so, you know, I think that's why that really hits a chord with us, uh, you know, with our generation is because it's the first time that we really, that we were really exposed to the, the, the actual uh, effects of, of radiation and nuclear war, you know, Um, they never taught us about, I mean, they taught us about world war two in in grade school and high school but you know we never saw the pictures of the people with the radiation burns and the all that stuff you know they that those weren't in our textbooks you know for us they were just like well we dropped some nukes on them and uh the war was over we won (laughs) you know so you're just like all right well i guess that's what happened you know but yeah those those made for tv movies were the first time that our generation really got to see like wait a second this is what happens when you get nuked yeah if you want to learn more about what nate just talked about look up a documentary in the 80s called the atomic cafe oh yeah the atomic cafe i have a copy of that on vhs that's a great it's not a disturbing movie but if you really want to learn the scare and all of the scare Films like Duck and Cover, they shown that one is just a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Yeah, those guys made a bunch of great documentaries back then. And yeah, the Atomic Cafe, I totally forgot about that. See, like I said, you can't have two houses, Stephen. I don't know. Now I got to go over to my other house and see if I got my Atomic Cafe in my studio over there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, the Atomic Cafe is a great... Uh, they spliced together a bunch of old scare films from the 50s, 60s, and 70s uh, to make a movie that really shows the progression of uh, how the uh, American government tried to, uh, I don't want to say brainwash, but I guess tried to whitewash all of us. Whitewash it, yeah, or whitewash. Uh, yeah. downpedal yeah. is the better word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, down, downplay how, 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 uh, how vicious an actual nuclear attack was. So yeah, yeah. just duck and cover and five minutes later, go home. It'll all be all right. Yeah. You may <laughs> get a little yeah, if, sunburn. 
<laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things from Atomic Cafe is they show that clip where they're like, if you can stand up and brush yourself off after a nuclear blast, you're okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, shit. And number uh, two is the film that I call, and I always call it the master thesis of watching any Jodorowsky film. I've had people come up to me and like, oh, should I use this film to start off watching Jodorowsky? I'm like, no. 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 Because <laughs> no. the Holy Mountain is a master thesis. Yeah. Oh, man. It's 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 such a I think the main thing that makes the Holy Mountain so disturbing is that it's just so discombobulating like it makes you feel like you're tripping when you're not when you're completely sober you know yeah. like you're you're completely sober you're watching it sober and you're like is this you're you're like a you know uh David after dentist is this forever? Is this real life? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the way movie. it whips hands, it don't even have a transition from uh, play, piece to piece. It's like, whip. Okay, we're there. What? Where? <laughs> this is a movie that, okay, so it's it's almost two hours long, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's almost two hours long. If 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 I smoked a bunch of weed, laid down on my couch, and put on the Holy Mountain, and fell asleep for twenty minutes, woke up, fell asleep in the woods, minutes, woke up every every up. time. I every time I woke up, I'd be like, "What can movie am I watching?" I, I'd have to pause it no, and be like, like oh, uh, uh, he smokes weed, goes to sleep 20 minutes, wakes up in the woods dressed in flowers. He's like, what the fuck? How the fuck did I get here? Why am I wearing this? And then he falls asleep for 20 minutes more and wakes up in the middle of doing a comedy set. And he's like, how the fuck did I get here? Am I da, da, da? That, you know. That, that's not even a joke, man. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I showed up at a comedy show. I was not booked on this comedy show. So I just showed up to hang out with some of my comedian friends and, you know, just watch their sets and stuff. And I had done some, <laughs> not a bunch, but I had done some heroin before I went. <laughs> and when I got there, the host was like, dude, I need you to do 10 minutes because one of the other comedians copped out and I was like I can do 10 minutes um let me tell you on heroin I cannot do 10 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it did not go well and number one is a film that I've only seen once and I have Every time there's a Studio Ghibli, you know, they're like, we're going to show all the films from Studio Ghibli. I'm like, please don't let them show this. Please don't let them show this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the yeah, fuck I know. are they showing them? 
Uh, yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> and that would be Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> That's, no, yep. for me, it's like, be, I mean, those beautiful women are going to be like, Steve, I'll suck your dick. I'll fuck you. I'll give you a million dollars. I'm like, all right, if you watch Grave of the Fireflies with me.
we have a lot to choose from around here when it comes to movies, but no one ever brings any uh, film festivals around here. I tried to organize a film festival with, uh, with one of the owners and he was like, well, I don't know. It costs a lot of money to ship. I wanted to do 35 millimeter. And he said, well, it costs a lot of money to ship 35 millimeter from wherever you're getting it from. But I was, uh, I was trying to get it from uh, something weird video. I was trying to get it from Johnny, uh, Johnny legend. And he was fully willing to loan me the movies, but these guys weren't willing to pay for shipping. I said, well, what if I pay for shipping? And they were like, well, even then we probably, you probably won't make your money back because no one's going to want to come see, you know, sex by advertisement and, you know, swamp, swamp <laughs> ravens swamp ravens or whatever you know right. swamp of the uh, ravens swamp of the ravens yeah. Yeah. yeah swamp of the ravens but i was like well you know what you know even in the 80s you would have like main street theaters play ballsier stuff like uh kiss of the spider woman yeah right or my favorite yeah. horror film of the 1980s, which a lot of films are like, it's not a horror film. I'm like, yes, it is. Shut up. And that would be Blue Velvet. Yeah. No, when uh, when I, uh, uh, again, uh, to give another plug for our website, r-massive.com, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote an article about how I think Blue Velvet is one of the most disturbing movies of all time. It would have it would have been on my list here if I uh, if I had just been you know shooting the shit. You know we had the list written, but yeah, Blue Velvet I think is not only the best David Lynch film, but one of the most disturbing films of all time. I would definitely put that on a list. You know. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, of, we would get that stuff in mainstream theaters. They would put it on the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I saw Blue Velvet on the big screen. Um not when it not when it originally uh debuted, but uh yeah, I saw it at a second run theater actually not that long ago. I think it was like 2 years ago. I saw it and I, uh, I I went with a friend of mine who had never seen a David Lynch movie before. Uh, we went out for dinner before we got some tacos and then we went over to the movie theater, which is right next door to the taco place. And I was like, yeah, so yeah, you're going to, yeah, this movie's going to be a little fucked up, but you're going to like it. She did not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> Nowadays, the art theaters all play. All theaters have to play it safe, so we'll never see the. A lot of these films were art theater only. Yeah, right. Uh, the reflecting skin out of the blue. Uh, the holy mountain at midnight. Uh, grave. Fireflies, Where the Wind Blows, Christine F., Vagabond, Sick, uh, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of New York. Yeah, um, some of those films are available on streaming services. Uh, so 
you know, uh, you can check. I, I always do. I always make a list of films that I'm interested in seeking out. And I don't know what, what our listeners have for streaming services, obviously, but, uh, you know, I have Netflix, Amazon, uh, Hulu, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, a lot of these movies that we talked about tonight may be available on some of those streaming services, but you have to be warned that we might have hyped them up a a bit too much for you because some of them may be edited on those streaming services and you won't get the true disturbing, uh, uh, you know, the true disturbing experience that Stephen and I were hoping for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, seconds is on uh, the criterion network and it has all the extras from the Blu-ray slash DVD. Really? Yeah. On, on the, on the criterion network, you can listen to all that. But thank you guys. And we're getting a little closer to Halloween and that's going to be fun. Are you and Vicky still going to be doing your show in uh, October? Is that still in yes, the work? Uh, Vicky and yes, Vicky and I will be doing our first show on October Sunday, October third. We will be doing our show, and um, we have a guest that night. Uh, it's Brendan Brendan Williams. He's a hearing impaired stand up comedian who also does a podcast for other um, people with disabilities who have succeeded in their fields. And uh, he's also a political activist. So we're going to have an interview with him and uh, talk about some of the movies that we've enjoyed so far this year. So that'll be on October 3rd. I'm not sure exactly what time we'll be. We're going to record it ahead of time and then release it later in the day because, uh, because of the time difference. She's on the, west coast and we're here on the east coast so um i would also like to plug the fact that um i am booked on the largest uh comedy stand-up comedy festival here in southern maine uh and so on wednesday november 10th if anyone wants to come to craft brew underground in auburn maine you can see me and six other comedians uh on that night and uh the festival goes all week it's wednesday thursday friday saturday november 10th through november 13th and uh this is so much fun for me man i've been doing stand-up comedy for six years and uh, i'm I, I get to be on the biggest festival with all of the people that have uh come up with me over the last six years so i love it so anybody wants and to come up to maine so far for october <laughs> we have uh well we're going to be doing, uh, me and Nate are going to be doing a cryptozoology horror movie episode. And then for one yeah. of the shows, we're going to be watching one, a cryptozoology movie. Yeah. We haven't picked it out yet. No, I haven't checked it out yet, but I, 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 I'm on it, man. You know me. I am the biggest, like, Bigfoot uh, UFO, Loch Ness monster, crypto nerd. I've got, I know, uh, you know, Chupacabra. You got it, man. I am on it. You know me. This is like, I, you know, this is this is my jam. So I'll get on it and I'll check out that flick before we watch it. But I've got all kinds of stories I can tell you about 
when we do that show, including the time that I actually saw a UFO. And we'll talk about one of the Blu-rays that is hitting in October then, which would be the UFO incident with uh, James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Uh, Well, this has been another fun night, Stephen. Uh, We always enjoy each other's company, so... And rest in uh, peace, catch- Norm McDonald, and thanks for all the laughs and giggles throughout the year. Indeed. Rest in peace, my man. I wouldn't be the comedian I am today if it weren't for him. So. And happy birthday to Henry motherfucking Silva. <laughs> happy birthday, Henry. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Good night, and as usual, good night, everybody. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, take care of yourselves. Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go. I really must say Oh, good night, sweetheart Good night Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go I hate to leave you I really must say Oh, good night, sweetheart, good night.